Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast, teaching business owners the not-so-secret techniques that took famous businesses from mom-and-pop to major brands. Stephen Semple is a marketing consultant, story collector, and storyteller. I'm Stephen's sidekick and business partner, Dave Young. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, which is, well, it's us. But we're highlighting ads we've written and produced for our clients. So here's one of those. My name is Travis Crawford, and I think what my company needs most of all is a bartender. See, over the years, I've noticed that some of my most successful long-term team members have come to me, not from my competitors or from trade schools, but from the service industry. Waiters, hostesses, bartenders, even a bouncer, believe it or not. Because in the home services business, the technical things can be learned. Training courses, apprenticeships, smart people can learn. But understanding how to make a customer's experience great is a different skill entirely. People who understand and care about that have helped make Travis Crawford HVAC the company it is today. So I'll ask you, are you interested in a career you might have never considered? A career that actually has a path, an opportunity to learn and grow and get home while it's still light out? Then call me and let's talk about it over a drink. The coffee's on me. Travis Crawford, HVAC.com. Welcome back to the Empire Builders podcast. I'm Dave Young, and I'm with Stephen Simple. And and uh, we we talked about Barbie and Matchbox and and Hot Wheels. And I don't know how we could go on without bringing up that other uh, 1960s era doll toy. I'm going to call it a doll. Oh my uh, God! How dare I know. you? <laughs> uh, because that's what the, the, the word action figure didn't. I don't think it existed when GI Joe was first released. I, I don't know what they no. called it. Maybe they called it action figure. We're that became a term that, that you used because boys don't play with dolls, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, somebody looked at all the Barbie dolls being snapped up and said, what, what are we going to get for these uh, for these little boys to convince them that heading off to Vietnam is a good idea? Well, even, even, <laughs> <laughs> even in the Barbie, when we were talking about Barbie, you even at that point talked about gi oh, joe yeah yeah <laughs> i had i had some gi joes i was not a fan i just i just wasn't i had some yeah but uh, it just wasn't it wasn't me all right so let's 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 hear the story of gi joe so gi joe is a hasbro product and and hasbro was founded now it was founded under a different name but the company was founded on december 6 1923 by Henry Heil and Herman Hassenfield in Providence, Rhode Island. And they originally started selling textile remnants. And then they started to make pencil cases and school supplies. Then they moved in the modeling clay and they made doctor and nurse kits as toys. Okay. By 1942, they were primarily a toy company. And in 1968, they shortened the name to Hasbro, which is basically short form for Hasenfeld Brothers. Hasbro. Sure. Yeah. And today they're one of the large, what they're one of the biggest toy companies around with, you know, mm-hmm. over five billion in sales. Going back to the beginning, the move into the toy business was really driven by the Sun Merrill. So in World War II, the company gets involved in plastics. And this gives Merrill an idea for a hit toy. And it's 1952. And he comes across this idea that was developed by George Lerner. And it's these plastic pieces that you can use to form a face that you put on vegetables. Oh, okay. 
So Meryl takes this idea to his father and they buy the rights for 7K and they make the toy affordable. It's made from plastic, has no head. The head is a vegetable. It's priced at a dollar. And Mr. what do we think it's called? Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> Mr. Potato Head. I had one of those. Those were great. Yeah. So that was their first big toy. You, you know where my brain goes with all this, right? Yeah. When you start talking about it, they got into plastics, I, 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 it just immediately took me to the scene from The Graduate. Remember that? Dustin Hoffman. He doesn't know what to do with his life, and he's standing around his parents like they have a cocktail party or something. And this guy takes him aside and says, one word, one word, plastics. <laughs> he's like telling him to get into plastics. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's the uh, it's the equivalent of a gold rush in the toy business, right? Learn about plastics. As we know, Mr. Potato Head was a huge hit, oh. right? And this was before, yeah. The, the, I, I think a lot of people don't remember that it. You didn't get the plastic potato. No, you would just get the pieces. You had to get a potato from mom. Yeah. Or a carrot or, mm-hmm. you know, a beet yeah. or something like that. But it also is what made it affordable because they could price this thing at a buck. But like so many of these stories, it was met with resistance by the store because food as a toy is a bad idea. Because remember, the parents had come through food rationing the in the war, yeah. the yeah. depression. So they didn't want food as a toy. So what does Merrill decide to do? Market directly to children. Uh-huh. And he sees this new media, TV, that <laughs> kids are watching. And so he places an ad for the toy on television. And Hasbro, in fact, is the first company to advertise a toy on TV. Okay. And it totally works. Kids ask for it to be bought. So many advertisers also get stuck on this whole thing of, well, I have to advertise to the customer and the customer is the parent. No, he advertised to the kids and the kids will ask for it and the parent will buy it. Yeah. But this is a game changer. They're the first to do that. And they make $4 million in the first year. Huge. It's making more than the original pencil business. Wow. That's great. But Meryl's looking and he still needs more. He wants another line. So there's this movie that, that has come out. The absent-minded professor. Remember in the movie there was oh, this yeah, invention yeah. called Flubber. Remember Flubber? Jerry in the movie? Lewis. Yeah. Yeah, but the movie's so popular, a sequel comes out, The Son of Flubber. Okay. And Merrill buys the rights to create a toy version of Flubber. Of Flubber. All right. Mm-hmm. It totally bombs. There's a real problem with the product. There's reports of lots of rashes, people getting sick. So within months <laughs> they have within months they have to pull it. They even uh-huh. have a hard time disposing of it. <laughs> and there's there's a rumor out there you're gonna love this dave made with lead paint <laughs> <laughs> there's a rumor out there that is buried under one of the parking lots at hasbro <laughs> <laughs> all the flubber that's great we've been looking for jimmy hoffa we have we should have been looking for flubber <laughs> we should be looking for flubber i know this will be on your mind now for a long time so they lose, like, they literally lose, like, five million bucks on the whole flubber thing. So they need a way out and fast. It's 1963, and they're desperate for an idea. And Merrill comes across this idea created by Stan Weston, and it's the first movable toy soldier. Okay, yeah. But it's not going to be called a doll. Boys don't play with dolls. No, boys don't play with dolls. But did, did this follow the first movable Barbie doll, Ken doll? 
Is that about was the a, time that they became movable parts? It was around the same idea, but developed separately. Okay. This is where Merrill was brilliant. He recognized that there was going to be big resistance to this if it was called a doll. And he yeah. wouldn't let it be called a doll. He created the term action figure. Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this. Nice one. Thanks. We should do this more often, man. I wish we could. And why can't we? It's my business. What about it? Thought everything was good. It was. Do I hear a butt in there? Sales have started to flatten and we're down over last year. Oh. Can't figure it out. Tried a bunch of stuff. Putting in more time doesn't seem to make a difference. Yikes. It's frustrating. Have you spoken to Steven? Who? The host from the podcast we just interrupted? No. Why not? I thought you were trying stuff. I am, but what's Steven gonna do? He'll work with you for free. You mean that starter session thing? Yep. I don't know. What do you have to lose? Not much, I guess. So, you gonna book one? Yeah, why not? Where do I do it again? I think you can do it right from this podcast. Cool, thanks. You bet. We really should do this more often. Golf more or interrupt this podcast? Over to you, Dave. Book your starter session on this podcast's website. Just visit theempirebuilderspodcast.com and click on Get Started. Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. He created the term action figure. Okay, so it did. It came right hand in hand with G.I. Joe. It's like so many things. When there's this resistance, rename it, reframe yeah, yeah. it, change it romanticize it, whatever it is you need to do. Don't educate people on, well, no, it's not adult. Just don't call it that. Call it yeah. something different. So he coined the term action figure. Now, no one liked the idea, but he forged ahead anyway. Because again, what he liked with it was the life, the accessories, all the things oh, that, yeah. you, could, that yeah. you could do with it. And look, and he saw that in Barbie. You model a toy after military spending. Right. Uh, all you have to do is is make a weapon that the army doesn't have, and and they'll buy that now. Right. So right, you make yeah. you, you sell a kid a, a, a GI Joe, and now every accessory you make just contributes to the arms race. In the 1960s, members of the military were heroes. It wasn't that mm -hmm. like oh, your sure. dad, likely yeah. like your dad at that point, or your uncle or whatnot, served in Europe defeating Adolf Hitler. Absolutely. Right? Like, yeah. So. So there was also all of that. And, and they came up with the name G.I. Joe from a 1945 film called The Story of G.I. Joe. That's how they created the yeah. name G.I. Joe. But what they wanted to do is make sure G.I. Joe was not mistaken for Ken. So they put a scar on his face. <laughs> I remember the scar. Yeah. Right? Which made him tough and all that other stuff. And he articulated in over 21 places. So it was really quite an innovative toy. Oh yeah, they had like buttons on him. Like he had the Kung Fu grip. He had- Well, those uh, all came later, yeah. Yeah. But even the first one, like the wrist, like there was all sorts of articulation. So it really was an innovative toy. So it's 1964. They've started to produce the toy. They're ready for the launch debut at the world's biggest toy store. And the night before, they suddenly discover they've got a problem. Hasbro's got a problem. They've been talking to Stan Weston, but they never finalized who owns the right. Stan Weston still owns the rights to G.I. Joe. Mm, okay. So Merrill and Stan need to sit down and negotiate it. So, man, could you imagine being in that negotiation where you've all of a sudden you've developed all these toys You've made all these toys. You're going to be launching it tomorrow. And you suddenly discover, holy crap, I don't have the rights. This other guy does. So they sit down 
Merrill offers Stan $100,000 straight up for the rights, and Stan takes the money. Ah, poor Stan. The initial orders were slow. It didn't actually, G.I. Joe Uh did not sell well at first. So the jumpstart sales, here's what Merrill does. Merrill gets his reps to go to every Woolworths and buy up all the inventory. Just keep going back and buying, going back (laughs) and buying. Woolworths thinks that they've got a hit. Oh my gosh. So what they do is they then do a follow-up large order. Hasbro tells the world that it's a hit and that Woolworths is buying more and the rest is history. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's that's fantastic. They end up selling 16 million units in the first year. Create scarcity by manufacturing it. Ever gone to an auction? Oh sure. Yeah. Here's the thing that always amazes me. An auctioneer will go, do I have a, do I have a bid for a thousand dollars? And there's no one. Do I have a bid for seven? Do I have a bid at five hundred? Do I have a bid at do I have a bid at two hundred and fifty? And suddenly somebody bids at two hundred and fifty. Uh-huh. No one was willing to pay a thousand dollars, and then suddenly the thing bid at two fifty, and then it sells for fifteen hundred bucks. And you go, wait yeah. a minute, are you are you freaking <laughs> like what? We see this all the time. My my whole point is anybody that thinks this world of of toys and and marketing and advertising uh, appeals to the rational mind, and that the rational mind is actually a thing, you're wrong. <laughs> it's proven over and over again, right? I mean, a, a thing yep. should have a value. That's that's rational thought. Doesn't right? It doesn't. Yeah. Well, and as I said, my favorite example, and I, I always love watching auctions for that reason. So, mm-hmm. so they sell 16 million units in the first year, but then a problem happens. Along comes the 1960s and the Vietnam War, especially 1968, which is the deadliest years. And GI Joe sales fall so fast during that they have to halt production. Mm. Here's Romero again. He's brilliant at reframing. So remember, he reframed it from a doll to an action figure. So now what does he do? G.I. Joe is no longer a soldier. He becomes an explorer. Mm-hmm. So they rebrand G.I. Joe as an explorer. It's not as big a hit, but it's still selling. Keeps it alive. Sure. Keeps it alive. Long comes the 1970s, and because of a whole pile of things going on with the oil industry and the cost of plastics, the sales of the 12-inch figure fall because it gets really expensive. So they make an 8-inch figure. And that doesn't work out so well. And then Star Wars comes along with their action figures that are three and three quarter inch. And they're completely out of sync with Star Wars. Because as we know, what do kids do? It's not like all my G.I. Joe things I play with and I don't. No, you cross play with stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So they're out of sync with the market and that creates problems. Now, Meryl passes away and his son, Stephen, takes over and he decides to bring back G.I. Joe. Because guess what? He sees an opportunity. Because there's this conflict going on with Russia, with the Mm. Soviet Russia, with communist Russia. And American patronism is on a rise. He reintroduces G.I. Joe, the great American hero, fighting this made-up enemy, right? Which there's also an action figure for. Right. And it's a runaway success. So when you look at G.I. Joe, what's really incredible is all the reframing that they did. Not a doll, action figure. Not a soldier, an explorer. Mm -hmm. Now fighting this unseen enemy. When I looked at it, they went through actually so many reinventions and iterations. I just thought it was a real incredible, really incredible story. 
again, what I really like is they were willing to make these little pivots and repackaging and reframing. And really, it's just mm-hmm. about reframe, reframe, reframe. Mm-hmm. The fact that they were able to reframe is a tribute to they didn't completely get blinded by the blinders that they put on themselves when they named it G.I. Joe. Yes. That's a big risk in, in a lot of product things is when you, a good example would be like a plumber or uh, some company that's a local company that wants to grow and be bigger, but they've named themselves the Six Street Plumbers. Right. Right. It's like, yeah. okay, well, now you want to go to another town? Are you going to try to find a, a storefront on Sixth Street? Right. <laughs> uh, so be bigger than that. Be, get something that's a little flexible to be bigger than that. But in fairness, I think when you're in the, you know, in the time when G.I. Joe was launched, I think it would have been very hard to picture a day where the military was not going to be deeply respected and aspirational. Boy, point well right? taken. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like in fairness, I think that was a hard one to see coming. And they're riding that wave, right? That's, that's okay. And they're riding that wave. When sales really fell and they had to halt production, they didn't go, well, we're done with G.I. Joe. They did step back and go, well, what can we do? This is the problem. What can we do differently? Well, let's yeah. reframe it this way. And while it didn't hit the same sales, it still had a success. Yeah, back when there were still things to explore. Well, exactly. Right. <laughs> Great point. <laughs> Great point. Are we going to do more episodes where we play with dolls? <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Action figures? No, action figures. <laughs> action figures. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Stephen. I've enjoyed learning about about, uh, all these toys. It's a fun topic. Thanks for bringing it to us. All right. Thanks, David. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review. And if you have any questions about this or any other podcast episode, email to questions at theempirebuilderspodcast.com.